Good morning. Again, I want to uh, join in in what Jarrett just said and wish all of you a happy Mother's Day. And uh, I'm very blessed my mom is here. So happy Mother's Day, Mom. And to my, uh, my mother-in-law and my grandmother-in-law, I'm a very blessed woman this morning. So happy Mother's Day. I'm grateful for the three of you and the role that you have played in my life. And uh, I'm excited to uh, continue on in our series this morning uh, as we talk about what does it mean to experience growth? And last week we started this series and we looked at a passage in the Bible, for those of you that were here, that talks about God's desire for his children to grow. And that it is, in fact, actually good to grow. And we discovered that God created each of us to grow. He, he didn't actually hope that we would grow up and become adults and stop growing, which is actually what most adults tend to do. Uh, they think that they've arrived and they've gotten to a place and they hit a certain point in adulthood and then they just sort of stop growing. They stop changing. They stop transforming. But God's actual desire is that it is good to grow. It is good to transform. And it's something that he longs for us to continue to do. And we looked at a passage in the scriptures uh, that's found in John 15, for those of you that were here. And we looked at uh, this imagery uh, that Jesus actually paints in John 15. And he says that God is a gardener, that Jesus is the vine, And we are the branches. And our main job is to what? Remain. Okay, we talked about this last week, that our main job is to stay connected to God through Jesus. That that's the one thing that he asks of us, that we need to remain. We need to linger. We need to abide. That he longs for us to stay connected. And we gave everybody uh, a little pot and some seeds, and we sent them home and told them to water, you know, their pot and their seed and to plant it in there. And uh, and I don't know about you, mine is not growing yet, so I may need a, a green uh, thumb gardener to come on over and to help us out. Uh, but as I look through my life, and as I think about what God has done throughout my life to help me to grow. One of the primary ways that God has helped me to remain, this, this word that is used in John, 15, in John 15, this abiding, one of the primary things that God has used in my life to help me to grow is other people. He has used other people to push me to stay in connection with him. And in fact, I don't know if you have ever listened to someone tell their life story, but it's almost impossible to tell your life story without mentioning another person. People change who we are. They shape who we are. And oftentimes when I sit with somebody and they tell me their journey of faith or how they're growing in their relationship with God, they almost always point back to a person. They say, you know, this person entered my life at this season and they really helped me to grow. Or I was in this really difficult spot and this person entered my life and and because they entered my life, it shaped who I was and I started to grow. Or some of us around here are actually new to our journey in faith and we're new to to following Jesus or we're figuring it out. And, And potentially even the reason you're in the room this morning is because you saw God at work in another person's life and it, and it piqued your curiosity and it caused you to say, I'm interested in what's going on in that person's life. And, and it makes me want to discover. It makes me want to grow. It makes me want to figure out how I can actually be in relationship with God. And in every one of our lives, there has been like a cast 
of characters that have been used to affect who you are today. And as I look through my life, as I look through my story, the same is true for me. God has used people along the way to help me grow. In fact, when I look back throughout my life, one of the first people that really helped me in my relationship with God and and set me on this trajectory was a woman by the name of Sandy Ricker. And I met Sandy Ricker when I was a freshman in high school. And I started attending this new youth group. And I think I went there mostly because there were cute boys there, um, if I'm being really honest. But Sandy knew that I was sort of new to figuring out, you know, faith and and, and, and following God. And and, and so she, she said, you know, why don't we get together and I'll pick you up after school on Wednesday. And we'll just, you know, hang out and get to know one another. And Sandy picked me up at school, and uh, we went over to this McDonald's, and I remember she bought me uh, an order of fries and and a drink, and and we sat and we started talking about life. And I'll be honest, I did not know the difference at that point in my life, like between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I didn't know the difference between a cute boy that you should go out with and a cute boy you shouldn't go out with. And so Sandy helped me with both of those. She helped me figure out the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the difference between two cute boys. And and I remember in high school, uh, many Wednesdays throughout those four years of high school, Sandy picking me up after school and, and us going over to this McDonald's on Schmally Road. And I think I went in the beginning because she always paid um, and I thought it was a good deal. But I kept going because Sandy helped me grow. She helped me grow. She helped me discover who God was. She asked me great questions. And I started growing because of Sandy. My freshman year of college, I met a girl by the name of Amy Walker. And Amy and I first became friends, I think, because we uh, had a similar fashion sense and we both liked to drink coffee and we both were committed to never taking classes before 10 a.m. And so, like, this is how our friendship struck up. But Amy and I went on a fast track of becoming deep, close friends. And and our lives continued. We went to college, uh, you know, all four years together. And Amy and I were both in one another's weddings. Right after each of us had our first children, uh, we came to visit one another. I remember um, that I was one of the first phone calls that Amy made when her dad suddenly passed away. And Amy was one of the first phone calls that I made when my father suddenly passed away. And the reason Amy and I were such good friends is because we helped one another grow. I think about my girlfriend, Rebecca. I met Rebecca when she was uh, nine months pregnant. And in her mind, she felt like she was about 11 months pregnant. And uh, I was with her and um, we we became fast friends. And over the years, um, you know, we have become friends over the birth of her three kids and, and over the birth of my two kids. And Rebecca is one of the first people. That when something great happens in my life, she's one of the first phone calls that I want to make. She's also one of the first people that I want to call when life is really hard. And she has been this friend that has helped me grow. She has been used by God to change my life. And the reason for that is because God does not grow us in isolation. 
God does not grow us in isolation. He plants people in our lives to change our lives. He actually plants people in our lives to change our lives. You will not grow. You will not grow in your relationship with God outside of people. It's not possible. You will not grow in your relationship with God outside of people. You can spend hours alone with God. You can spend hours reading books about God. You can actually study your Bible for days and days and days. You can listen to worship music all day long. You can spend regular days in solitude. All of those things, I would recommend them. They are crucial to our growth. But if you only do those things outside of relationship with people, you will not grow. God uses people to change us. And all of those things are very important, but they will not take root outside of being in a relationship with another person or other people. It's because God uses our relationship with people to actually reveal if there is fruit in our lives. It's in a relationship with another person that you're actually going to be able to tell if you're more loving or not. When you're alone in isolation, listening to a worship song or reading your Bible or reading books all day long about Jesus, you're not going to be able to tell whether you're more loving or not. It's in a relationship with a person that that is going to show the fruit of your growth. It's in relationship with people that you'll be able to see if you're experiencing more joy. It's in relationship with people that you'll be able to see, is there more peace in my life? Is there more kindness in my life? Is there more goodness or faithfulness or self-control? God uses people to reveal the fruit of our growth. And the amazing thing is, is this principle can actually work both ways. While there have probably been people that have helped you in your relationship with God, there may have also been people that have potentially hindered your relationship with God. My hunch is if you were to be able to look back throughout your life, there may have been people that have negatively impacted your relationship with God as well. Maybe someone that you encountered that was excessively judgmental. A Christian that you met and they just were filled with a, a judgmental spirit. And when you were around them, you thought, is this, is this really how Christians are? Is this really how they're supposed to be? And it started to hinder your relationship with God. Or someone that maybe professed they were a Jesus follower. And, and when you saw them at church, you know, their life was, was neat and shiny and wonderful and great. And then you saw them on the other six days of the week. And you thought, wow, there, there is a significant contrast here. And, and being in relationship with that person potentially hindered your relationship with God. Or maybe you look throughout your story and, and while growing up. Someone significantly hurts you, and that has hindered your relationship with God. Maybe there is a, a regret that you carry around in your life, and that regret is directly connected to a person that walked into your life, and you know that they started to lead you down a trajectory that you didn't really want to go. And that regret is directly connected to a person. You see, the principle works both ways. 
People have this unbelievable way of helping us grow, don't they? And people also have the capacity to keep us from growing. People carry the highest potential and power to either push us towards or to pull us from our relationship with God. The Bible actually says it this way. It says it better than I can say it. In the book of Proverbs, it says that if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And it's pretty simple, right? You surround yourself with wise, loving, mature, generous, prayerful, discerning people. What's going to happen to you? You're probably going to become more loving, mature, wise, generous, prayerful, discerning people yourself. Choosing to surround yourself and letting your life be filled with people that are hurtful, negative, judgmental, immature, selfish, or unhealthy, most likely that kind of fruit is going to start to pour out of your life. Walk with the wise and become what? Wise. Who's around in your life that's wise? Who's near your life that that carries wisdom and challenges you to be wise? The Bible says it another way. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You see, the company that you and I keep, it affects who we are becoming. It has a direct connection to our character. In my life right now, there are a handful of very wise people, people that are much wiser than myself, and I try to find every opportunity to be around them. Part of the reason for that is because I know that being around wisdom and being around good company is going to have a positive effect on the person that I long to become. The person that God has created me to become. There's a a friend and a mentor in my life. His name is Jeff Henderson. And Jeff is one of those people that when I'm around him, I am reminded of who I want to be like. He's one of those people that when I'm with him, I'm like, I want to be more like Jeff Henderson. Because I see God at work in Jeff Henderson's life. A couple of principles that he's taught me throughout the, the years that we've been friends. One of the things that I notice about Jeff is when we first were becoming friends, he always had a book in his hand. Everywhere he went, driving, walking, in meetings, there was always a book in his hand. And so finally I was like, Jeff, what's the deal with the books? Like, can you not go anywhere without books? Like, what's the deal? And he's like, I just know that if I'm learning, I'm growing. And so if, if I have a spare second... I'm going to read. And, and he challenged me and he pushed me. And so now I try to always have a book with me. That's not because I'm smart. The only thing that makes me smart is being friends with Jeff Henderson. <laughs> and it's pushed me to start to grow and to open my mind up more to learning. Another thing that Jeff taught me to do is Jeff is always writing notes to people always writing notes to people. Last week I was in a, uh, 
I was in Atlanta and I was speaking at this conference and a woman came up to me at the conference and she said, I know you don't know me, but I just wanted to let you know, my son goes to your church in Chicago. And I said, really, who is it? What's his name? And she said, his name is Jesse and he works at the cafe. And, you know, I was up visiting him, my husband and I, and we were driving around, you know, in his car and I was sitting in the back seat and I noticed papers everywhere, you know, cause he's a college student and they were just sort of all over the back seat of his car. And I started, you know, rummaging through them to see what he was actually learning at this school that we were sending him. And I picked up three note cards And those note cards were from Soul City Church. And three different people sent my son a handwritten note thanking him for serving, telling them, telling him, you know, this is what they see in his life. And and he was so encouraged. And Jeannie, I think he's coming to your church mostly because of the handwritten notes. And I love that. And what I got to tell her was, The only reason he has notes is because Jeff Henderson, this guy that you don't know, has been a part of my life. And every Monday as a staff, we sit down at Soul City Church and we write people notes. And it's not because of anything that's great about me, but it's because what Jeff Henderson did in my life to tell me the power of sending a note. And that's why Jesse's connected to our church. Jeff Henderson is a wise person in my life. Another person that I hang out with on a regular basis is a woman by the name of Jeannie. We have the exact same name. And so I knew that we were going to hit it off really well. Um, And Jeannie and I get together every other Wednesday morning. And the sole purpose for us having breakfast is for Jeannie to ask me how I'm doing. And usually we'll spend the first 10 15 minutes, and I'll tell her something great that's going on, something funny that the kids do, something awesome that's happening at Soul City Church. And about 15 minutes into the conversation, she'll sort of break into it and say, so how are you doing? And then I'll tell her like 10 more minutes worth of great things that are going on, you know, and and things that I'm really excited about. And then she'll go, no, what I asked you is, how are you doing really? How, How are you and Jarrett doing? Really? How's your marriage? Really? How are you doing as a mom? Really? Like, I'm not interested in the great, wonderful, good things that you're going to tell me right now. What I'm interested in in is what's not working. What I'm interested in is, is where you're struggling. Where you have fear. That's what I want to know about. Because I care about you. And I want to help you become all of who God created you to be. And that hour and a half that Jeannie and I sit at this little divey restaurant every other Wednesday morning usually gives me fuel for the rest of my life. There's another person in my life, um, my friend John. And John has become a mentor and a friend. He's one of the wisest people that I know. I sometimes joke and I tell people, I think he's like King Solomon. Like, I think he reads Proverbs all day long. Everything that comes out of his mouth is wise. And there is not a significant decision that we have made around this church here at Soul City without the wisdom of my friend John. 
People carry the highest potential and power to either push us towards or to pull us from our relationship with God. So I have some questions for you. Who is in your life that helps you grow? Who is in your life that helps you grow? And I'm not willing to loan you Jeff or Jeannie or John. Who is in your life that helps you grow? Look at your circle. Are the people around you causing you to become more of who God created you to be? More of who you know you're created to be? I had a conversation this last week with someone, and she said to me, she's like, I know that this is one of the primary areas of my life that needs to change. I don't have people around my circle that are pushing me to grow. And so the second question is who needs to be in your life to help you grow? Who needs to be in your life to help you grow? Who do you need to surround yourself with? Who do you need to have sort of a like friendship kind of will you go out with me and be my friend kind of conversation? You know, I mean, we we used to do this all the time on the playground, didn't we? And usually we would ask somebody to be our friend because we knew that their mom sent better snacks and at lunchtime you could swap, right? And that's where you would form your first best friend and your second best friend, right? And we used to do this all the time as kids. We would say, will you be my best friend? Will you be my second best friend? Will you be my third best friend? And somehow into adulthood, we stopped asking great people to be our friends. Who do you need to have a conversation with? Who do you need to maybe awkwardly sit across the coffee table and say, I, I really don't want to just like hang out and, and talk about sports and, you know, like connect and, you know, read your Facebook statuses. I want to actually like be friends. I want to challenge one another. I want to grow with one another. Who do you maybe need to have a conversation with to help you grow? At a moment this past week uh, where I needed to, to seek some direction and some development in an area of my life. And there was somebody that I knew would be a great person to ask. It was like, if I could ask anyone, this would be the Houdini to ask. They certainly would know the answer to how I need to grow in this area of my life. And I spent probably a good 15 minutes figuring out how to not ask them. Well, I know they're really busy. They've got a lot going on. There's no way they would want to, you know, like get into my life and help me grow in this area. And finally, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to send the Hail Mary email and I'm going to say, you know, will you help me in this area of my life? And in the email, I think I even gave the person like two or three reasons why they shouldn't do it. And do you know what the email was back to me? One line. I'd be happy to. And, and it engaged me in great growth. And I'm so glad I sent the email because it challenged me to grow. The next question is, who do you need to put limits around in your life? Who do you need to put limits around in your life? You probably already know who this person is. And I'm not saying you need to have a breakup conversation with this person. Like, we can't be friends anymore. 
But who do you need to put some limits around in your life? People that maybe cause you to be a little bit more critical in your spirit. People that maybe cause you to be more judgmental. Or people that cause you to gossip. Or or people that pull you from God. Who do you just need to put some limits around in your life? And the last question. Whose life do you need to get into to help them grow? Whose life do you need to actually get into to help them grow? And sometimes those conversations start out a little awkward. But oftentimes those are some of the best conversations that lead us towards growth. I once had a guy that uh, used to work on a staff that I led a number of years ago. And he was on this staff team for about two years or so. And he hated conflict. I mean, it was like if conflict was somewhere, he ran the other way. He just wanted to avoid conflict at all costs. And I used to challenge him and say, no, you know, don't run away from the conflict. Actually walk into the conflict and, and find a healthy resolution. And at the end of his time in, uh, on our staff, he gave me one of the most encouraging compliments that anyone has ever given to me. He said, Jeannie, I'm so grateful. I learned a lot um, from, you know, working with you over the last two years. And most of it I hope I remember, but most of it I probably won't. Um, he said, but the one thing that I know I'm going to remember is that one of the best things that you taught me is that speaking the truth is one of the best ways to love someone. Speaking the truth is one of the best ways to love someone. Now, I don't recommend that, like, today you call every person in your life that you need to speak truth to and, like, line them up, you know, like, one after another, you know, like, send them through Starbucks, you know, and that kind of thing. That probably won't go over very well. But speaking the truth in love is sometimes the best growth in our lives. It has been one of the number one catalysts that God has used to grow me over the years because people carry the highest potential and power to either push us towards or to pull us from our relationship with God. And I'm so grateful for one of the people that God has actually put around me Um, And she's somebody that I want to be like. Um, When I look at her life, when I look at her marriage, when I look at how she raises her kids, she's somebody that God has put around me that I look at and I go, I want to be more like her. And I want to introduce you to my friend, Angie Wesley. And Angie uh, is going to come up here. And Angie uh, has an extraordinary story and has an extraordinary uh, calling that God has placed on her life. You can come up. And um, she leads an organization here in the city uh, called Karis. And um, it's an amazing ministry. And I thought uh, for a couple of reasons, because one, I just like Angie, and it's better to be on the stage with her. Um, But I thought it would be great for our community to hear what God is doing in her life uh, and how she is being used by God to change many, many, many women's lives. So this is Angie Wesley. Will you help me welcome her?